0: Hey everyone, welcome to Homebound Veterans Season 4, Episode 3. I'm Keith. I'm Laura. Before we jump into our interview, where we sat down with Ray, Mike, and Misty from the Institute for Veterans and Military Families from Syracuse University, we're gonna share a little bit of our story. Laura, I have a question for you. Do you remember the first time that you saw me? We just to give you a little bit of background, Laura and I went to high school together. <laughs> I graduated in 91, she graduated in 92. So we're uh, old.
1: My earliest memory of you was at a retreat <laughs> oh, man. where you got pantsed wearing a pink ski jacket and you it had was, sweatpants on and you got pants and you had tidy whiteys on. I think that's my <laughs> earliest memory of you.
0: Okay, first of all, it wasn't a pink ski jacket. It was <laughs> blue <laughs> with pink highlights.
1: But my you tell my mind that because <laughs> it definitely was pink and those tidy whiteys were bright white. <laughs>
0: Well, now we know you're lying. Nothing I had was bright. (laughs) Okay. Well, my first memory of you was was we had a It was sweeter. We had a sports camp. Do you remember this? A fall sports camp, and so all fall sports would go to this. We went out like somewhere East County, San Diego, Julian, or something, and they had like all these sports fields. And so the football team would practice. You were playing volleyball, and I remember. In between like practices, I remember you walking up with two friends, and you came around the corner, and I saw you, you were laughing with your friends, and I was like, who the heck is that? And that was the first time I remember seeing you. Now, there's some debate, though, because that was my junior year and your sophomore year, and you had been at that school since you were in eighth grade. How did, like,
1: timing uh, I, doesn't matter? I don't know. This the time when our memories are old. <laughs> You had a blue ski jacket. I saw it as pink. I mean, (laughs) we make our memories... We keep them the way we want them in our minds.
0: (laughs) You want... Oh, uh, you need help. Oh, man. I don't
1: know. I need the pink jacket, apparently. (laughs)
0: And thus began the journey. (laughs) All right. Well, stay tuned for next... uh, is episode four. We're going to have more of this journey. So, who knows what we'll talk about next. Hopefully, it won't be tidy whities
1: But this episode is part two of our three-part series where we find out more about the details and the programming offered through Syracuse University IVMF.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing about this is Ray and Mike both served in the military and uh, Misty has actually been involved in veteran support initiatives through, especially through universities for many years. So we got to speak with them about their own transition stories, and then how that actually translates into the work that they're doing at Syracuse University with IVMF. It's very
1: powerful. Enjoy this episode.
0: So we had a chance to talk with Nick and, and Marine uh, last week, I believe it was, um, mm-hmm. and that the focus on that discussion was on the history of IVMF and uh, and just kind of understanding uh how you guys came from i mean even decades ago helping veterans to uh actually now um where you are present day and so um this is an opportunity for us to uh chat with you all and understand more about the programs that you offer um what you're involved in what your role is what you're doing and and uh and then the the last interview we're doing is with some actual graduates of the program so
1: we're, we're really glad to have this opportunity, and Vanessa, we're grateful that you uh, helped get it all set up. Thank you very much.
0: She's <laughs> muted, so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got the nod. I saw the <laughs> nod. <laughs> Although Ray didn't get see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Ray, do you go by Ray or no, Raymond? May... Ray is
2: fine.
3: Thank you. Excuse Ray, me. okay. Okay. Yeah. And I go all by right. Mike, so that's easy you. as well. Um
1: okay mike perfect okay. and misty's not short <laughs> for anything, short misty it? fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, exactly, it's not short
4: for anything formal it just is what it is
0: <laughs> uh the first thing the way we'd like to start this out is for each of you to tell us about yourself how you came to be part of the ivmf family and what your current role is in that uh in that family sure Ray, Do you want to start
2: sure happy to start um you know i've been with the institute uh, really since before there was an institute so I, i've been with syracuse university about 10 and a half years now and uh, i was an active duty army officer before that for about four and a half years i'm actually a syracuse university alum so i did rotc at syracuse and commissioned out of syracuse and um 2000 uh, 2009 2010 i had gotten back from a deployment and uh, was starting to think about transitioning and stumbled upon this, this job at my alma mater uh, for a national program manager for um, the f- first program that was started sort of in the modern era, era at SU serving veterans called the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans. And um, you know the program wasn't there when I was a student, did some research about it. And um, the, the person who founded it, Mike Haney, who's our boss and is now the vice chancellor of the university, but at the time, uh, Mike was a, a entrepreneurship professor in the business school, and you know I thought this opportunity could be a great one year transition uh, type job for me while well, I figured out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and so I thought, uh, why not apply and go for it? And uh, you know they flew me up for for a couple of days of interviews and uh, landed that position and got out of the army and um, started continuing, continuing to build that program, uh, with Mike and. Uh, then we had the opportunity to launch the Institute about a year later, so originally took on sort of a initial internal role, getting the Institute off the ground, hiring some of our initial staff, um, but quickly turned my attention to the critical need to raise additional dollars to support the work of the Institute and the programs of the Institute. And um, it was both of those things for a while, and as the external piece sort of grew larger uh, than the need for the internal. We, we back-hired the internal piece, and I've really been focused on sort of external partnerships and um, fundraising for the institute ever since. Um, few other roles in there, um, serving as a chief of staff to Mike for a while, but now today I'm, I'm back focused on purely externally with some of our largest partners and funders out there, uh, like JPMorgan Chase, USAA, Pfizer, uh, Boeing, um, the Schultz Family Foundation, and, and
1: many others. How long have you been with IVMF? Uh,
2: since the beginning, so just over 10 years now, Wow, about 10 years. Uh, yeah.
1: How long did you serve in the Army? What did you do with the Army?
2: Uh, I was a logistics officer, so I did uh, about four and a half years um, after I commissioned in a uh, combat tour to Iraq 2008-2009.
1: Were you ready to transition out uh, of the <laughs> Navy at that, uh, I'm sorry, of the Army That was not on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But but, I mean, were you, You were you ready or was that something that you were? (laughs) I'm going to interrupt. I've
0: trained her well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, I think I was very fortunate, um, with my transition, you know, for me, um, it, it was, you know, it was an interesting time in the army and, and, you know, as a you know, I was a junior captain when I got out of the army, and you know, it was a it was a time really that, um, you know, we were uh, we were in such need for junior officers. We were promoting as long as really you had a pulse, and you know, I was really looking around at some of my peers at the time that, you know, quite frankly, I, I just didn't feel like they were ready to be promoted, or you know, I was looking at at, at folks that I was working for and. Kind of wondering why they were in the positions they were in, and you know, for me, it got to a point where I loved my time in, and I loved serving, and I just really felt that I could um, have greater impact faster uh, by by transitioning into into the civilian world. So I had a I had a very soft landing, you know, my transition story I think is maybe uh, the exception rather than the rule. You know, I landed back somewhere that. I was familiar with um, because I had gone to school there and I had family in the area so it was a it was a pretty seamless transition for me.
0: Misty, how about you?
4: So I have been at the IVMF since January of 2016. I actually joined from Oklahoma State University where I was the manager of their entrepreneurship program down there. Um, interestingly enough they had a few outreach programs one around veterans women and then also rural areas it's Oklahoma so rural areas and and things like that so I worked um, in that space for about 10 years before coming over to IVMF um, and then have been the director of entrepreneurship now for about three years so when I originally joined the team I was kind of heading up a new initiative around the Coalition of Veteran-Owned Business, which is putting more veterans into the supply chains of Fortune 500 companies, and then also kind of the research around what is the data saying about the state of veteran entrepreneurship, which is
1: mm. kind of something
4: that IVMF has really centered a lot of its programs around, is that research and data. Since then, the portfolio that Ray described kind of setting up in uh, you know, its infancy and toddler and years has now grown up quite a bit to a program that has... 12, and I feel like growing national programs, actually, we even host Boots to Business overseas on 35 different bases. Um, And then, you know, these programs have now become extremely tailored to meeting veterans and their families where they're at on their journey. Now, physically, as well as, you know, whether that be ideation, startup, or or growth. Um, But I've been kind of on the team as someone that's looking at what are the gaps, where can we serve? Veterans and their families better than also how do we start to tie together this ecosystem? And so, you know, it's been a great ride, and we just kind of continue to grow that side of the portfolio, which has served now about 80,000 individuals um, just through wow. entrepreneurship programming alone. Wow.
1: So, where does your heart for uh, serving vets come from? So,
4: I have, you'll be, you know, happy to know that my family is Navy. Um, so, have, <laughs> I have uh, two uncles that have been through the Naval Academy and so, you know, it's it's one that, you know, we, I do have the family tie and I think, you know, back to the days where I was working at another university, you know, I was on the ground floor of setting up all the different programs and really just if you looked at the folks that were hungry and really making a difference with their companies and then turning back and hiring you know, more veterans and things like that, it was our military connected service members. So for us, it just is more of a, you know, if you're going to make an investment in time, talent, and treasure, it's a good investment to make in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, military members do run very successful programs and they do so at a higher rate of their civilian counterparts and they out earn their civilian counterparts. So it's a great kind of investment to make back into those that have given us so much as well.
1: Mike, sure. tell us a little bit about how you also entered uh, IVMF and, and uh, what you would do there.
3: Sure. Thanks. Um, So I've actually been at IVMF for just over five years now. Um, That's when I retired uh, from the Army. And I can tell you, Keith, uh, when you said yesterday you retired, I thought you were you were joking um, and you had retired a few years ago because that's what it feels like. It feels like yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the five years uh, since I've been at IVMF uh, right now, I'm the senior senior director for career preparation and training. Um, overseeing the Onward to Opportunity Program um, nationwide. So I came to IVMF. Uh, my last assignment in the Army was um, as the professor of military science at Syracuse Army ROTC, uh, that Ray had mentioned earlier. Um, and what I what I'd found in my time in ROTC, uh, it was my second tour in ROTC, um, is that I, I really really enjoyed. The coaching, teaching, and mentoring aspect of that position, and influencing the next generation of leaders, um, and I had found found purpose in that. And when, and through my work at as the professor of military science, I interacted and, in fact, reported to Dr. Mike Haney um, at the at the IVMF um, before he was the vice chancellor at Syracuse University. Um, that was my civilian or my my civilian uh, reporting was uh, through him. And I got to learn about the mission of IBMF. And I became, I understood or started to understand really the role and impact um, that they were having. And it dovetailed very nicely um, with what I had been doing. I I was coming up on the end of my time in the service. Um, I'd done nothing but wear a uniform since I was 28 years old. So it was never a question on, which tie would match which suit or what shirt was in or how many pairs of shoes do I have? Um, no. It was never, never had to worry about those things. Um, but it really, it, it, to me, it was a, an opportunity to continue to serve just in a different capacity and continue to give back and um, help coach, teach and mentor the next um, the next set of transitioning service members. When I my first mm-hmm. transition was in 1989, Um, as I uh, got out of the service. And the only thing that was important was that you had all your stamps on your paperwork, and particularly from the sensual issue facility. Um, That's what mattered. It wasn't nothing else. They just shuttled you around from place to place. Do you have your stamp? Um, And when I transitioned in 2015, um, there was was incredibly different. But each each individual transition story is, is so much different. Even having uh, been on a college campus and operating in the civilian community, um, you know, I still had a great deal to learn, both both culturally um, and as you mentioned, sort of that bridging that gap into the civilian workforce and really taking the skills that you have or I had at the time and translating them in a way that was able to be received um, and also work hard over those five years to build a program that we'll talk about shortly, but. Uh, It's a it's an occupation. It's a hazard of your job right now, Keith. You'll say Navy and you, too. Um, uh, Laura, you'll say Navy for a time. And then once you get in front of enough folks from the other services, you'll start saying service member or Mm. military member. But it's okay for the first year and uh, go Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
1: So you mentioned real quick, I'm curious, Mike, uh, that there were two transitions out of the military for you. Can you give some context to that?
3: Sure. Um, As Ray mentioned, I did some time as an enlisted. um, And so right out of high school, I joined. um, And what was, uh, I didn't realize at the time, I was going to be out of the Army when I was 19 years old. And I was devastated that I was going to give up my 17-, 18-, and 19-year-old life to the service. But it was just a it was a two-year enlistment. Gotcha. Um, and what I like to say, Laura, is I joined the Army for the college fund for two years, and I stayed for 28. Um, so, um, <laughs> it, obviously, it went well, and I continued to uh, find opportunity within, and it's a great career.
1: So what was the hook?
3: Ah, the hook for the first time was the college fund. (laughs) And the hook to come back. What made
1: you
3: stay. What made me stay was, you know, for me, my Army experience was um, really they kept giving me jobs that I enjoyed, sending me to places I wanted to go, and putting me with people that I enjoyed being with. And I I found I enjoyed the culture. um, I I enjoyed the travel. um, And frankly, I enjoyed, I used to say to folks as when I was recruiting at one point, I would say I'd like being part of the news or making the news rather than listening to the news. And so that's what attracted mm. me to the service.
0: I think one thing that's somewhat unique and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys aren't a degree mill. You're not bringing in veterans to just get them a degree so they can hopefully get a, a job and a career somewhere else after after they finish their education but you are actually providing them with programs that equip them to go out and and make a difference in the workforce which takes a lot of of effort i mean just your programs alone are are impactful right um the resources the the uh finances that Syracuse is putting towards this are these programs that essential for the transitioning veteran and and why
2: well i'm happy to you know sort of take the the setup here and then i want to kick it over to mike and misty but you're absolutely right keith you know we're focused on you know our training and and education programs are, are very practically focused so um, anything offered through the ivmf you're right is not a degree program um, most things are not even credit programs you know we do that very well on the university side of the house so we have a infrastructure sort of on the other side of the fence, that's an Office of Veteran and Military Affairs that um, oversees all our student and student veterans, military connected students, so dependents, ROTC, we have a bunch of active duty um, degree programs at the university, so we do that very well. But the institute is, is for the most part, externally facing. So you're right, the participants that we have coming into the program are from all over the world, um, You know, every state, Eight or nine different countries of service members that are stationed overseas right now, and it's focused on small business, entrepreneurship, and career training that can really help um, further their goals. Whether that's launching a business or um, getting that job out of the service or getting that next job if they've already transitioned, um, you know. And I think Mike and Misty, you guys can go in a little bit more detail. The
3: you know the the programmatic
2: aspects of it. Sure.
3: Thanks, Ray. Since it's with the transition piece, um, with onward opportunity being a, a transition program, um, we've really evolved over the last five years. And and when we started, we were at at two locations, um, serving uh, the grand total in the first week of twenty five people. And um, last year, we will uh, we enrolled over fourteen thousand into our. Um, our, our training program with that much opportunity through both our wow. installation presence um, and through our online presence, where we enroll upwards of a thousand people per month. Um, and what really uh, it makes it unique in the transition space, and there are others who do similar activities, is you know we really focus heavily not just on the certification program that we're able to provide at no cost, um, thanks to the efforts of Ray and his team uh, at getting those funded. Um, it's really upfront our onward to your career, which provides um, sort of the initial entryway into that intro- introduction, bridging that gap that Maureen talked about, you know, of personal branding, you know, thriving versus surviving, you, you know, the corporate culture, if you will. We've evolved from, I would say, a career readiness into a career exploration, where we, I've, you know, as We think it through. And I think of of all the myriads of faces that I've seen, you know, uh, a couple stick out where they came. They said, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do before I took this class. And thank you so much, because it's not what I wanted to do, what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I had this pre-programmed destiny. I was going to do my time in the service. I was going to do X, Y and Z. And you've really opened our eyes and my eyes to what it means to actually have a meaningful career versus a job. And how to go about doing that. And of course, along with that, then the opportunity to take a certification um, and then an um a, a connection to employment services. So it's really taking what the DOD does and they do it and they've they've gotten much better at it um, and complementing what they do and providing a little bit more concierge service to our participants and giving them some of that one-on-one discussion to really talk them through their transition and what it means to them.
4: You know, I think that for entrepreneurs specifically, um, and, and how they kind of tie into these programs and why it makes a lot of sense is, um, as you look at the research, there's a lot of data that shows that navigation of resources, specifically for entrepreneurs, social networks are a huge one. Access or capital readiness is how we like to say it, is another huge challenge. And I think that the the thing that I always say to folks as they start looking at programs, and specifically why we have so many tailored programs is you're not really investing necessarily as much as in just the program itself. It's that network or family that comes with it. So as you see, and you look at folks that you know come into an IBMet program, they might start out in EBV, and they might then grow up and, and go through EBVA or decide, you know what, not, not an entrepreneur right now good call. Before I waste resources or retirement or anything else like that, I'm going to go through O2O and and take advantage of that. And then throughout this network, you know, again, thanks to our many partners, we do about a million dollars a year in pro bono services for entrepreneurs. Our programs, I always say, are no cost because it does cost time. You do have to spend your time. So it's not necessarily free, but it is no cost, you mm-hmm. know. So you have a lot of things that you can go through there. And then, of course, you have the connection to the others that are in those programs. So I know, you know, as you look at an EBV, it's there's 30 other battle buddies that are there kind of making sure that you're doing what you said you would do, that they're connecting you to resources that they've already connected to, that they're making the mistakes first before you have to make those mistakes. And now it's this social capital that you've started to build. And you see that then becoming... Much higher at, at organizations like Edge, where all of a sudden you see these very established businesses that are now partnering to win even larger, you know, opportunities. We've had groups partner to win twenty-three million dollar contracts that started back in our EBV program when they barely had a business. So I think that what you're really doing is, you know, it's it's this great, you know, four days here, seven days here, two and a half days there, but then it's this longer ecosystem where. Now you're part of something bigger and you have kind of your friends and family in these programs and i think that that's kind of the huge part as to why does it make sense for folks to invest their time in these type programs it's because you're really investing in that network and it's that network that's going to drive folks forward as they continue to move on
1: you know over the past three years we've interviewed quite a few and we always ask you know what advice which is a question coming up for you but what advice would you give that's transitioning and almost all of them, consistent with what you've, your data actually shows as well, is that network, ask questions, get out there, con- connect with people you know. I, w- I was I was on involved.
4: a panel the other week, and someone said something brilliant that if folks would actually look at their service and those that served with them as an alumni association, and not just okay. a chapter of their life, yeah. that you know, folks could do so much more. If you looked at it and said, you know, just like you would look at your own alumni association from college, where you're not afraid to reach out to them just because you went to the same college and say, I need this, or can you introduce me to so-and-so? If you would look at, you know, your service friends in the same way, those that served with you, that you could get much further faster. And I think that's something that I tend to now look back and be like, well, that's kind of a duh statement, but why why aren't we doing that? So, you know, it's something to definitely look at.
1: Awesome and
0: and one unique part of your program too is that you include the families in this process.
1: What do each of you, from your own perspectives, because you you have your own sort of um, personal experiences, but also perspective from um, program um, as well. So from each of your perspectives, what's the biggest obstacle to successful transition um, from the military? Um, and then you know h- how do you. How do your programs address some of these biggest obstacles that veterans and their families face through this transition? So uh,
3: I think I'll, I'll take the lead on that one. I think for, for our participants, um, a, couple of, a couple of things really stick out. And one is what Misty had mes- mentioned, and that's navigation of services. It's really the um, paradox of choice. There are so many, so many different pathways, so many different options, so many different organizations that you become paralyzed to inactivity because there are so many different options available to you, right? So navigating and taking an inventory of those is, is one of the challenges that is faced with the transitioning service members. Um, and what we do with onward opportunity is start to start to narrow that focus. Um, start to uh, probe and ask questions of, of yourselves. Um, you know, what is the most important for you post-career, post-service, and what are you looking to do and how to achieve it? Um, how, how to achieve those goals? What are your, your aspirations versus your goals? You know, and what do you want to do and what's your skill set? What can you do and what do you want to do? And then secondly, it's it's cult- it's cultural. So it's the cultural competencies. And I think Ke- Keith mentioned it early on um, is it's bridging that gap between the military service culture and the corporate culture. And, and there is a gap, um, but it's it's not insurmountable. It's just you need a, uh, a shepherd, if you will. And mm-hmm. programs um, onward to opportunity and programs, uh, all of the IBMF programs um, help provide that navigation and in a way. That is tailored to your specific needs, um, and if we don't have the answer, uh, we will find an answer for you within our ecosystem.
4: I would go on to just build on what Bianchi just said. He says paradox of choice. I say analysis paralysis. But you know, potato potato, it's, it gets to the <laughs> same area, right? So I feel like you know that's that's the biggest part is. As you get out, we or we inventoried at one time over twenty five thousand resources for veteran entrepreneurs alone. So you know, as you start to look at that, it's it's well, where do I spend my time? And if I go to one program that I don't like that doesn't fit, whatever, then how do I know to go to the next one? And who do I trust? So I think that. Everyone always says leverage your network, but when you have a condensed or smaller network, what are you really supposed to leverage? And so I think, you know, really getting out there and and joining different groups, whether it's on social media and looking at, you know, what are their experiences with different groups and and how do you go and and kind of leverage that? Even if so, even if it's just a network that you're just quickly building But go out there and make sure that you are working to navigate and don't get stuck in the paradox of choice or the analysis paralysis. And then I think from there, it's look at your trusted partner. So, you know, Bianchi said it best. We don't need to be all things to all people, but we have a great Rolodex. And so how do we then say, you know, come back to us. And I've had a thousand emails over the years that say, Missy, I know you're not the person, but Mm -hmm. I need... X, Y, Z. And I think that that's that point where it's saying, you know, we trust you because you've obviously done so much for us. So now we figure that we'll trust the person in your network. And I think that that's the biggest thing that we have to hammer home a lot to our graduates that is, you know, don't be afraid of asking those around you who they would go to, who they would trust and making sure that you then start there. So it's a little bit, you know, less of a time-waste and kind of getting to the right resource at the right time. And I think that that's important as well for those that are transitioning and continuing their journey.
1: So leads me to another question. What advice um, would you give or what would you say to that nagging voice of a transitioning veteran getting out that says, all I need to do is find a job. Everything else will sort of follow all I need to do is find a job, and Ray sort of touched on that early in his introduction of like, this will be my first job. I'll do this for a year, and then I'll kind of figure mm-hmm. my life out, right?
2: Yeah, we, we're digging a lot into that retention issue as well. And you know, interestingly, one of the things that we're seeing coming out of Onward to Opportunity, our, our career prep pro- uh, program that Mike runs, is that we're actually seeing folks that are coming out of that program blowing the retention rates out of the water. You know, t- staying in jobs you know, well over 60% staying in those first jobs 12 months, which, you know, I could hear by your voice and the data you've seen is just, is unheard of. But, you know, Mike and his team have done a phenomenal job, I think, of um, providing curriculum and content that focuses on fit. And then um, also pairing that up with the goals and the aspirations of of a service member or a veteran. Um, You know, very... Very early on, when, when I started doing this work, um, so back in you know 2011, 2012, at the height of the veteran uh, unemployment issue, where you were seeing you know, 30 plus percent um, of veterans unemployed, you know, would sit around big tables with folks from the private sector, and you know, the classic example I always used was somebody from from Ryder Trucking, great company, right? Um, but they would say, you know, look, we've seen the data one of the highest rates of unemployment coming out of the military were um, 88 mics truck drivers from the army and you know this individual would say i have thousands of openings for truck drivers i can't hire them fast enough but uh, why don't they want to come drive trucks i don't understand why they just don't drive trucks and you know for me someone that was only a year separated that came from a transportation unit that had 88 mics you know, you had to sort of stand up and say, look, just because they drove a truck in the military doesn't mean that's what they want to do the rest of your life. And, you know, at at the time, there wasn't a sense of, well, what does this individual want to do? Mm. It was just about, let's get them a job. Mm. And I think that, you know, our programming has done a lot to kind of shift that mindset away from just find a job to let's find career fit. Mm. And let's find what works for that person and for their family. Um, And so I think my my biggest piece of advice uh, sort of amidst all that would be, you know, start as early as you possibly can. You know, transition, I think, is something that quite honestly should start from the day that you enter your basic training or your initial training, because, look, you might get in with the intent of doing 20 years and only doing four or you might get in with the attendant doing four and doing 20 but whatever it is if you start thinking this this will not be forever right um it 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 will not be for the complete rest of my life it really changes your mind shift and focus of you know there is life past the military what do i want to do with that life whether I stay in for only my initial term or I stay in 15 or 20 years. And I think the earlier that someone can start really thinking about that and in, in building their pathway based on their goals, their aspirations, everything from not just the job, but where do you wanna live? You know, Do you wanna go back to family? Do you wanna live in a new place? If you grew up in the snow, do you wanna move to, to a sunshine state? You know, All of those things, the earlier you can really think about it and start to frame it out, I think the more successful your transition is
3: in, in the long run. So um, if, if I could just dovetail on that, because um, Ray hit on the early um, and I would hit on the often. You have to network. Um, you have to explore. You have to stay in touch um, with those colleagues, that network that Misty talked about, um, who maybe transitioned before you and can help you assist you as a mentor as you go through. And lastly, um, not, not working until the last day. Um, not to say that the taxpayers aren't looking over your your shoulder and saying, Hey, you're, we're paying your salary. I'm not suggesting that, but, um, you know, the Navy, um, the army, the Marine Corps, they will not crumble. Um, if you take your last few months to really take advantages Advantage of what the DoD even recognizes through its career skills program and skill bridge program And says we want you to prepare in your last six months too often We have participants come to us with one month to go two months to go and now they've brought stress on Themselves Mm -hmm. on their families. There's financial Mm -hmm. stress. There's the um, unknowns of all the things that Ray just mentioned where will we live Um, and so when I say often, um, that just means that you have to look at those as a PCS checklist, as a, as a, every time you leave somewhere, you know that you were getting a, a checklist and you went through it and you prepared eight months out for you started to get your house in order. You started to do all the things you needed to do to move from San Diego to, you know, the, to Jacksonville, whatever it is you needed to do, you started to do early and often. And I would suggest you apply the same principles to that person who's transitioning and it will be successful and you will you will do fine. It's like every other aspect of your military service. Um, the, you had to be you, what I used to tell people um, is you become comfortable with the uh, being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to kind of take that on, knowing that there's going to be some unknowns and that you will bring to bear all of your knowledge and experience and you will work through it with the network that you create
4: the only thing i can add to that from the entrepreneurship kind of point of view is you know a lot of times folks get out and they think they have to have their first million dollar idea and then that's going to be what they launch and that's going to be their future career and i guess to bianchi's point a little bit is you know keep keep your day job but then also start to look at you know other things as you're going to be if you're going to go into entrepreneurship we love ourselves a hybrid entrepreneur so that's someone that is working in a job and then maybe starting something on the side so that they still have those two things going i think that that just helps a lot as well in a transition that you know you don't have to think that this is the end all be all the first thing out of the gate when in reality, much like entrepreneurship, your first job isn't going to be probably your forever job unless you're Ray Tennyson. And then, <laughs> or it's, you know, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to your first business might not be your million dollar idea. It's usually your second or third. So I think it's okay to kind of think about it that way as well.
0: Absolutely. But I think we'd be remiss at this point if we didn't allow you guys to Tell us, give us a brief synopsis mm-hmm. of some of the programs mm-hmm. that you are all involved in and, and what are available to veterans and their families. Mm-hmm. And Ray, did you want there's to start so, that one? so many. <laughs> yeah, go
3: ahead. Take it away. Take it away, sure, take I, it away Mike. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll jump in since we were on transition. Um, so Onward to Opportunity is um, a career exploration and certification with a connection to employment service um, program. So we are a recognized skill bridge program by the DOD uh, started in October of 2015, where we um, we provide access to um, through our partners to credentialing and uh, industry recognized credentialing uh, certifications that will help facilitate your transition into the civilian workplace and oftentimes improve your opportunity to achieve employment. Um, Now, we do have a number of our participants who don't go receive a credential, uh, but they use our services. Once they receive those, um, as we discussed, sort of that career exploration, those modules, um, they actually achieve employment while they're in their certification process and begin their journey. Um, We have others who go all the way through, achieve their certification in a number of industries, you know, from project management to human resource management. Um, to numerous different information technology pathways, we're actually starting to see an increase in the number of folks taking our IT courses and certifications. As we know, when we speak to our employer partners and our key stakeholders, we know one of the number one challenges they have is our finding qualified and credentialed information technology Mm. um, personnel. So um, you know, Onward to Opportunity operates at 19 different military installations. And I'll take an opportunity here, mm-hmm. Keith and Laura, to tell you that we are in San Diego and we are at Camp mm-hmm. Pendleton. And love to be able to introduce the two of you, um, as potential participants because you're both eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. also, uh, to perhaps, you know, join in one of our sessions and learn about it. Uh, Catherine Warren. Mm-hmm. 26-year uh, Marine Corps vet, runs our program in, San, in uh, Camp Pendleton and San Diego, and she's wow. assisted by Joanna Sansatera, um, who is an Air Force veteran, um, and they run quarterly cohorts. Um, while we're able to be in person, we are at those diff- 19 different installations that serve over 70 different military communities, so Camp Pendleton and um, you know San Diego obviously serve the much greater San Diego area. So all those different installations they have folks enroll through them and and as Catherine says we even get some of those army guys um so um <laughs> but you know we we do have that presence uh, physically and when we're able to we're prepared to move back into the classroom um but we did in march pivot quickly to an um, all virtual delivery of our onward to your career and then lastly, for those that are not geographically located near one of our installations, we actually have um, a distance learning version of what we offer. And we have a team that supports us um, on the backside at, that sits at the Institute that helps enroll um, these 14,000 people a year. And we have a set of advisors who helps to coach the, the participants to uh, to completion, answers any questions about the process for them. So there's as we talked about the dedication of resources, you know, that's one of the examples that we have. And within the last two years, we added one more piece to that. Um, And as Misty mentioned often, it's the network. And so we now have an alumni um, services where we are collating all of this different uh, alumni that have gone through our programs, not just uh, Onward to Opportunity, um, and bringing them together in one community um, as a shared resource with one another. So um, again, it, we are we are open to active duty transitioning service members because they are covered by the Skill Bridge, so they need to be in their last 180 days. Uh, we also for spouses and for National Guard Reserve and for veterans of all eras and for the spouses of all those populations. And you know the active duty spouses, they're not they're not tied. They're not. They're not tied to the skill bridge, so it doesn't have to be within the last 180 days of service of their spouse's service. It could be at any time in that continuum. So, you know, I want to leave some time for Misty, but you know, be happy to ask any, any answer any other questions you might have. Uh, but you know, we do impact a number of lives, and then we of course introduce them to our employer partners and our and our employment services who we partner with Higher Heroes USA out of Alpharetta, Georgia, who have just achieved a significant milestone in their hirings. Um, and uh, so they have been with us since inception and have been uh, steadfast partners with us by providing uh, networking opportunities. They provide resume services, and they also provide um, connection to employers.
4: So with the entrepreneurship program, we actually have 12 programs that we run in our portfolio. So when we say we meet veteran entrepreneurs where they are, we really do very much highly tailor each of those programs to basically three stages. We look at entrepreneurs that are in ideation, startup, or growth. And what we kind of realized is, you know, as Ray mentioned, we had a couple of uh, signature programs that really kind of got everything started. And the EBV was the program that predates everything. It's what the IVMF is kind of founded on. That's the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans, which is now hosted at universities across the nation. But that program is really kind of the basis of a lot of our programming. So what it looks like is it's three phases. You have an online phase where you go through two weeks of online learning and then a week at a university partner across the nation. Again, that flight is taken care of, the hotel is taken care of, all the meals while you're here is taken care of. And then after that, you get post-program support. And so those post-program supports are we have nearly 50 partners that provide pro bono services from lawyers to CPAs to sales to, you know, website design. Now we have even people that will look at your social media and tell you what's good, great, or maybe needs to be changed. And, you know, we do a lot of things like that. From there, we've got an amazing partnership with the Small Business Administration, and we are able to set up programs like Boots to Business, which is actually a part of TAP. And so that's a two-day program that we now host on 35 different bases in nine different countries overseas, but is also hosted here uh, within the United States as well. And that helps folks that are transitioning to say, do I want to start a business? What does that look like? What resources should I leverage as you move forward? And then, of course, we have our veteran women igniting the spirit of entrepreneurship or wise, which is a, an amazing program in and of itself. But that's for women veterans and female military spouses or life partners who also want to start a business. Three phases as well. But that one travels around the country. So next up will be in Nashville and looks like the fall of 2021 at this point. But, um, you know, it is it is a it's a great program where 250 Um, women will get together to really kind of look at what does that startup phase of entrepreneurship look like. Mm -hmm. But what we realized is that our programming was 13 years old. And so as our, as our veterans were growing up and while we continuously iterate on it and make sure that it's at the cutting edge, but while our businesses were growing up, so too did our programming to continue to meet them. Mm -hmm. And so just now, um, three years ago, we launched a program called Veteran Edge, and that has quickly become one of the largest gathering of established veteran-owned businesses in the nation. It's in Dallas, Texas every year. It'll be in Dallas in 2021, and it brings together 450 veteran business owners, corporations that want to do business with them, resource partners, et cetera. Uh, That also brings together the VET 100, which is a partnership with Inc., where we recognize the 100 fastest-growing veteran businesses in the nation. And it's an amazing time where folks can really concentrate on that connection and what that looks like. Um, Again, all of these programs um, are free and as even if you look at edge if you pay your travel and get there the conference itself is is taken care of the hotel and everything itself is taken care of so you know we really kind of want to remove that barrier mm-hmm. of treasure so that mm-hmm. you can really spend your time and talent like really concentrating on that learning and so none of it is something that we leverage gi bill for it's you know it's not anything that we have to leverage any of that for the credit hours now i will say and Ray can speak to more of the university side of things, but I will say a lot of our programming, the great part about being on a university is we have a nationally ranked you know, business school. We have an amazing you know, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. center right over there at Whitman School for Management. And the greatest part about that is we can have kind of that top talent of not only the professors, but right. even SU's alumni network, which our graduates are a part of too, to then invest time into our folks. So I think that that's amazing as we start to look at even just things like the curriculum to be able to pull from such an amazing group of folks to kind of come in there to see what we can do. But from just the simple programming from ideation startup to growth, we really realized that making that connection is important. And so our corporate partners what they did for veterans job mission and you know getting veterans hired into their corporations for years now have now turned their attention to even furthering that initiative by saying how do we get more veteran-owned businesses into our supply chain. How do we now you know it goes beyond just jobs and it goes into the supply chain as well and. I think what we've seen is, you know, we've started doing that through the Coalition of Veteran-Owned Business. This year alone, we've provided over 9,000 veteran-owned businesses to Fortune 500 companies that are looking for suppliers. So, hmm. you know, it's it's just a way to kind of continue those opportunities as businesses
1: grow. Mm. Thank you. I think it's, it's helpful to kind of understand you know, that there's an arm um, at Syracuse University that deals with the credit hour part, and then there's this, you guys, that's free. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, kind of understanding how that works. It's, I, I agree with Maureen that she said last week, said, it's crazy that people aren't, more people aren't taking advantage of this. Um, and, and our hope is that we can help um, spur that on. Ray, do you have anything you want to add to that question?
2: No, I think okay. I think uh, they hit it great.
3: I, yeah. I just would like to add one thing, and that's about the... You know, so I think with the non with the credit version, uh, or what you're speaking about when it comes to the credit variant, it's important to acknowledge um, the efforts made um, by the university to bring in um, associate's degree for currently serving service members who can enroll um, in a distance online associate's degree at the tuition assistance rate. So that may be one of the things, because I know that they they have, including my son, he's enrolled. Um, and that program as well. And it's an amazing opportunity to attend, you know, a Division One school like Syracuse um, mm-hmm. uh, at the tuition assistance rate. So it's quite a commitment of Syracuse University to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to have it be, of course, online makes it possible to be somewhere else in the world um, <laughs> and continue to doing what you guys recommended early, which is if you can stay in service and also work towards what's happening, um, uh, you know, after your service, um, by all means, do both of those. So awesome. Thank you, Mike, for adding that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to kind of work on um, getting to a conclusion by asking you to share a story of a alum or a student that has, or a family member, or that has gone through a program that you want to highlight and kind of give an example of what's atypical or what's typical um, for for students in this—a um, triumph story, some story that that you can think of where you go, this this is where I this is what IVMF is about because this is you know how it affected or changed someone's life. I think there's so yeah, many I'll, stories. I'll Sorry, start. go ahead,
2: Ray. No,pe yeah. you start. Oh, that's okay. I was gonna start, and Misty, I'm stealing um, one of, one of your grads <laughs> for my story anyway. Um, but it, it, it's it's just such a great story about one of our entrepreneurship grads named Chris, and uh, you know, Chris got out of the service. Um, tried, it, tried a couple of things, went through our entrepreneurship boot camp program. He's actually local in the Syracuse area, and you know launched a small residential uh, landscaping business. Hmm. You know, bought some used mowers, had a truck and started cutting lawns and you know, scaled that up slowly, had some other folks working for him, was doing, again, residential a little bit, of around the area. Um, but then decided he, you know, he wanted to do more. And so he started to go after um, government, government contracts for lawn care. And the first one that he landed was uh, actually the, the Bronx VA um, down in New York City. And again, he wasn't well capitalized, didn't have a ton of money. Um, and so he and his his crew would... Hop in a van uh, with their with their equipment from Syracuse, drive down to the Bronx VA at the beginning of the week and work the grounds all week, would sleep in the van overnight during the week because didn't have a ton of extra money for hotel rooms, sure. drive back home uh, up to Syracuse over the weekend and go back and do it the next week. Yeah. Um, but that allowed him to, he did a phenomenal job. You know, they, they never had anyone better do it so that allowed him to go for another contract and another contract and you know you fast forward to today um he's still running the 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 lawn care business and doing lawn care at multiple vas uh, with multiple crews but he's also added construction on top of that and Uh. he's added other verticals on top of that and um so he actually just got a subcontract of a uh the brand new national veterans resource center that we built at syracuse university and then he just landed he teamed up with uh, a big construction company to build the new va cemetery in upstate new york so he had a huge chunk of that contract so you know you look at today he's you know he's got a couple dozen employees he's doing millions in revenue a year he's giving back to the community um and and it's just a, a phenomenal story of where somebody can go with, you know, just a little bit of training and education and some resources and, you know, everything else, it's, it's on their own.
4: And hustle, so, yeah. sounds right? That's right. Well, and leveraging yeah, the network. Right. So if you think about that big contract that he has with the, with the VA building the, or with building the cemetery out here, it's a very large contract. And he actually partnered with another EBV grad that he met mm-hmm. at EDGE to get that contract and so you know and I think that the the biggest tieback back and the one that you know I'll relate and it kind of relates to because now you know Ray says that you know Chris is giving back to the community that's I mean he then kind of shows the other veteran-owned businesses how he did it he's always the first to raise his hand whenever we need mm-hmm. someone to kind of speak about those trials and tribulations and I think kind of the the greatest part about it is that you then see kind of that full circle. So we had another grad, um, and there's so many that can come out of the entrepreneurship that have just built amazing businesses. Um, we've had 17 of the Vet 100 this year, IVMF grad. So there's there's great things that come out of it. But we have another one um, who was going through an acceleration challenge, which is something that we do at Edge every year, where. Folks can kind of take their growing businesses that might have hit a plateau and, and go through a day of um, of really kind of pulling that business apart and putting it back together. And there was one of our graduates who had gone through EBV that was going through that program. And at the end of it, they get $10,000. And that $10,000 was mm. what the difference of him making payroll that month or not was. Mm. And he didn't realize that he was getting the $10,000 until the end of the program. But through the connections that he was Talking about, you know, there's people at the table that were like, we'll figure out how to group fund that check for you to make that. And now he's doing millions of dollars in revenue. He, um, you know, has by far and away surpassed every goal that he's made. He's still growing rapidly even during these times. But now he's just flung open the doors to anyone that's reached out to them. He's helped write you know, their schedules or help, you know, Mm. give a part of what he's done. He's actually helped partner with a few companies who just won another $5 million contract. And he partnered with another EBV graduate on their first contract so that they can start getting past performance. He then actually partnered with an SU alum that we connected them to. And they had a product that they just won um, a large... SBIR grant so to get that or to get that commercialized so I think that there's a lot of you know stories of our graduates who have gone from kind of thinking like is this it or am I going to be sleeping in the back of my truck forever I'm going to make payroll or what's going to happen to then you see this meteoric rise but they also just don't forget that community that was there when they were sleeping in the back of the truck and worried about payroll as they move forward.
1: And I think that's yeah. huge. Mike, did you have anything you wanted to add?
3: Um, I, I know you, I know you're story? wrapping up, Laura. Um, so I, I'll just make it a, a collective um, story, uh, really, of the impact. You know, it's going to th- put all the themes together, right? We're going to talk about giving back. We're going to talk about um, the network. We're going to talk about time, treasure, and talent. And really, we would not be in a place where we are today um, with Onward to Opportunity and how, how many folks that we enroll and be able to deliver the content we do, if not for our alumni. Um, because as part of those um, virtual and in-person sessions, we do networking events, um, employer panels, we do insights, resume workshops, uh, mock interviews. And it's really our alumni that allow us to be able to do that. Um, because all of that is, is given back um, by our former participants Um, as a way to recognize and provide the same opportunity to those that following in their footsteps, Uh, because it would cost us literally tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do that. And we're able Mm -hmm. to provide resources that we would otherwise otherwise not be able to do had it not been for our collective graduates. Mm -hmm. Um, So not Mm -hmm. only have tens of thousands at this point received employment, through their connection with Entrepreneur Opportunity, but they are continuing to give back to those that are now just transitioning or coming through the program. So I think that is an amazing alumni story that speaks to the entire um, population. Um, of course, mm-hmm. we have our singular um, as well, but uh, for the sake of time, I think it's best to leave it there. Cool.
1: Um, so I, how does someone get started? They just give you called who do they call like how let's say someone's listening and go i'm in but now how do i start
4: so if you even just go to idmf.syr.edu you can start to see all the programs and the best way to get started is we have a rockstar team of people that are in enrollment we actually have an entire enrollment team that take time to talk to Um, veterans and their family members about what their goals are, what they're looking to do, what the best fit could be, and figure out, you know, what program is best for them, whether it's, you know, O2O, and then even more specifically, what part of O2O, or whether it's entrepreneurship, and then again, we have 12 programs to navigate, so they're kind of like your navigation resource, so I would always take time to, you know, look at that Reach out to that team. You know, Bianchi has team members all over the nation. So, you know, if there's places where, you know, folks can meet face to face six feet apart or more, you know, there's also a great there's also a great kind of network that is spread out too where you can kind of, you know,
1: take advantage and leverage, you know, that that personal connection as well. So the other thing that sort of rings true to me too is that everybody connected to a service member, family member, has a place at IVMF, has, there's a program that is designed for them. There isn't any exceptions.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I think it goes back to Mike and Misty have said this a couple different times. We really try to meet folks where they are in their transition journey, whether they're getting ready to get out, whether they just got out, whether they've been out for five or 10 years, Um, and, and the, and the spouses of all of those three categories too. So there really is, I think, something for everyone there, some opportunity, um, based on, on where you want to go.
1: And then the last question we have, um, any advice that you would give to potential IVMS, um, participants who are thinking about it? Any advice you want to give, um, transitioning vets or anybody who's thinking about, um, call in that enrollment team
3: for for onward to opportunity i think we've talked about some advice for transitioning service members but if you choose um, to take advantage of one of our programs my advice would be to make time to complete the commitment invest Mm -hmm. time in your future invest time in the opportunity that is being given um, or i should say provided to you um, and really take it seriously and be part of the process um, this is um, now a point in your lives where you, you're not being, uh, give, being given a set of orders to move to the next location. Um, your orders are produced by you and your spouse and your family. And if if and when you enroll in one of the programs, uh, be prepared to invest time and commitment.
4: I feel like Bianchi and I are starting to spend too much time together because now we're like starting to say the same things and it's a a bizarre twist in life but you know I think it is a it's a don't be afraid to leverage your network and then you know wherever you are be all there so I think that that's exactly Mm -hmm. it so if you're going to take a program make sure that you have carved out the time to really be there because I think so many times people miss out on you know, connections or even just relationships or, you know, those things that can actually start to, or just even those little pieces of knowledge because they're distracted by, well, I'm at the program, but I'm on my work email and I'm taking care of other things. So it's really make sure that you carve time and you treat it like a plan. So I think, you know, just like you wouldn't go forth and try to conquer anything else in the military without a plan. Like create your plan, stick to your plan and make the time.
1: Thank you to Mike, Ray, and Misty for giving of their time uh, to interview with us today, but also for giving of their time to serve military families uh, in this transition experience. They are just a few of the many people at the IVMF who are dedicated to helping this transition go smoothly for veterans and their families.
0: Yeah. Hey, next episode, we're sitting down with three alum of the IVMF program and they have some pretty cool stories. Uh, If you're lucky, you may win a game that one of the alum created. It's pretty cool. We have one right here. I'm excited to play it. We just got it in the mail today. We'll give you, a, well, maybe we'll t- take a video, put it in our, in our Instagram page. Thank you to Discreet Sound Studio in Temecula, California for their edits on this. Thank you to Parallel Stereo for the music that you're enjoying right now. You can find them on Spotify. Make sure you check out our website, homeboundvetcher.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those things. And please leave us a rating so that others can find this podcast. Until next time, be well.
1: Own your journey.